Debbie George Addis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about the FBI raids Project Veritas reporter, Reggie Littlejohn, I think. She is the founder and president of Women's Rights Without Frontiers. I believe she's joining us today. The Kamala Cackle Competition. Okay, it's a little bit of humor, but we can do this once in a while. And finally, Biden and, Ob and Obama when will there be Russiagate liability? And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. America. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. America Can We Talk is sponsored by GC Works, a Dallas-based company performing advanced technology research in the oil and gas industry. Hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. We have on numerous occasions on the show played videos that were created by the organization called Project Veritas, which means Project Truth. And it's basically an organization that works in investigative reporting in a variety of ways simply to try to get to stories that people in power with authority who are uh, engaged in wrongdoing exposes what they're doing. And so this pro the way they work in Project Veritas, they actually they uh, solicit and, and uh, interview and hire people willing to work essentially as kind of underground reporters, people who will go to an interview, go to meet with somebody, giving the appearance of being you know, an innocent person or just someone involved in uh, asking some uh, innocent questions, and they're actually tape recording the person they have targeted. And because of we have Project Veritas and so many wonderful things, America knows a lot of things that we wouldn't otherwise have known. One of the things that the Project Veritas, we did very, very recently, we've been talking about Project Veritas and what they've uncovered about the New York Times and how the New York Times, a reporter, a Pulitzer Prize winning reporter, thinking he's on a date with a young woman, bragging about essentially the fact that New York Times was fully aware that January 6th was not an insurrection, it wasn't even scary, that there, and just a whole series of things, this man who is a huge uh, figure in the New York Times was willing to say when he thought he wasn't being recorded. So what has happened with Project Veritas is that there are there is litigation between Project Veritas and the New York Times, but there's also been efforts to try to criminalize some of what Project Veritas does. And essentially, you know, this is a a direct assault on the First Amendment, a direct assault on investigative reporters. And so you have Project Veritas, we're gonna go through a litany in a moment of all the things we know about because of Project Veritas, but the people who's, uh, whose lives are embarrassed, uh, it's usually leftists, uh, Democrats, anti-American leftists, the people whose lives, what they're doing, what they're getting away with, with no one knowing what they're doing, those people, when they are uncovered and America becomes aware of what the truth is, as happened again recently with the New York Times, many other stories, they don't like it very much. And so this administration, this Biden administration, has been willing to use the power, use the authority of the national law enforcement agencies to attack, punish, frighten people who serve as investigative reporters for Project Veritas. 
So Project Veritas put out a video today. I sent it to Mr. Becker. I just want you to see how they treated a reporter, someone who had just been part of a Project Veritas project, how the FBI treated her. We're going to roll that tape, please, Mr. Becker. I'm sorry, so what is this regarding? This is a search warrant. Open up. What you're about to see is very disturbing. Hidden camera footage capturing the moments the FBI raided the home of a Project Veritas journalist last November. the government's invasion of our first amendment rights should send shivers down the spine of every journalist around the country months ago i explained how the government conducted pre-dawn raids at my home and at the homes of two former Project Veritas journalists. Many came to our defense, including the ACLU, the Society of Professional Journalists, the Committee to Protect Journalists, Reporters Committee for Freedom of the Press, as well as the Freedom of the Press Foundation. Federal prosecutors from the Department of Justice in the Southern District of New York and the FBI appear to have targeted Project Veritas because of our investigative journalism. In 2020, we lawfully received material from sources concerning Ashley Biden's diary and what it said about her father, then presidential candidate Joe Biden. We ultimately decided not to publish the story and worked with local law enforcement to return these materials to her. What you've just seen is an effort by the government to intimidate and silence us as journalists. But Project Veritas will never be silenced. The First Amendment protects journalists and all people who speak out. We will stand firm to vindicate our own First Amendment rights, fight for the rights of our fellow journalists and all Americans. This footage of the FBI raid isn't even the most shocking thing about the SDNY's attacks against journalism. There's more coming out soon. We are just getting started. Hello, everybody. Uh, Debbie is just taking care of something real quick on the podcast, and we will be right back to our regularly scheduled programming. Uh, what you just saw was a recent Project Veritas video uh, detailing a, an FBI raid that happened uh, in early November of last year. And now we are back to Debbie so she can tell you more about this Project Veritas video. Debbie, back okay. to you. <laughs> Okay, Ziggy, thank you. So we have a wonderful guest joining us. Her name is Reggie Littlejohn, and she's joined us in the past. Uh, she's just a fabulous uh, warrior um, fighter. Uh, and what she has done, largely in her life, she has worked on a project, an organization she founded, uh, which has to do with exposing what goes on in China uh, and their forced abortion, their one-child policy. Uh, so she formed this organization. Um, I want to make sure the name correctly, Women's Rights Without Frontiers. Uh, she's just been extraordinary uh, in her work in China, uh, exposing the unbelievably brutal way in which China treats women who uh, basically trying to enforce their one-child policy. More recently, she has worked on the issue of how China uh, treats the uh, older women who are abandoned by their families once they're not able to be supportive. There's grandmothers, older people. She's been an enormous influence for good 
in the country of China. But the reason she's joining us today uh, is because she's also been involved um, with a, a new effort, which I just love, a new effort trying to wake Americans up to understand what the um, what is occurring in America, how we should look at the, the uh, mission of vaccine passports, what the leftists are trying to do in this country to push the idea of vaccine passports, or they call them smart health passports, smart health apps, and how similar that is to what's occurring in China. I'm gonna do this quickly, uh, quickly before we go to Reggie Littlejohn, who will join us in just a moment. To wrap up the first five, we're gonna come back to this point later. What you watched on that video of having the FBI raid someone's home simply for being a reporter uh, in, an, in a story in which the, uh, hunt, the uh, organization, Project Veritas, never even used the, um, the uh, diary that someone handed them that belonged to President Biden's daughter. Never used it, never published it, never did anything. So this point that the founder of Project Veritas is making, James O'Keefe is making, is really important to understand. The FBI had no reason to raid that reporter's home. The organization, Project Veritas, had already given back, they'd gotten the assistance of the government to give back to um, Ashley Biden her diary. And so there was no reason to raid that reporter's home except to send a message that we, the anti-American left that runs this country, will use the forces we have available, including the forces of the FBI, to intimidate people who dare to embarrass us. This has no place in America. I'm thrilled that you're going to hear, in fact, the very end of what James O'Keefe had to say is, yes, there will be more, more releases of tapes showing how the FBI conducted themselves. And he is exactly right. This should put fear in the hearts of every American who loves freedom and loves the First Amendment. And that, my very fine friends, is today's First Five. Okay, so we have Reggie Littlejohn joining us. I gave you a little bit of a teaser about her. But um, I, when she joins us in just a moment, I do want to have her tell you briefly about this great organization, which she is the founder, Women's Rights Without Frontiers. But the real reason she's joining us today is to talk about the effort to wake Americans up about the dangerous path America could be on if we were to accept vaccine passports. So I believe we have Reggie all set up. Hi, Reggie. Hello, Debbie. It's great to be here. Great to see you. Great to see you. And I told you this last time that you were on. I love that backdrop you've created. It really tells all about you. It's so cool. I really like it. Looks great. Okay, so yeah, let's just, you know, I, I ask you every time you're on, but I still love when you tell um, our listeners, tell us about the organization you founded, Women's Rights Without Frontiers, what you do, why you do it. So I'm an attorney. I'm a graduate of Yale Law School. And in the mid-90s, I represented a, a refugee from China who was forcibly sterilized. And I, that's how I found out that China, um, that the one-child policy was enforced through forced abortion, forced sterilization, and even infanticide. I eventually left the practice of law. I founded an organization, Women's Rights Without Frontiers, and our first mission was to end forced abortion in China, but then we expanded to include uh, exposing and opposing gendercide, the sex-selective abortion of baby girls, and then on the other end of life to support abandoned widows, who I call the invisible victims of the one-child policy. And we are the only organization in the world with a network of field workers on the ground that's actively able to save baby girls and abandoned widows in China. So that's that's how we were founded. That's what we do. But the fact that I've been involved with China and have been a China watcher for so long uh, has sensitized me to the way that totalitarianism operates 
And I was extremely concerned when I saw the implementation of these vaccine passports. And with the Committee on the Present Danger China, I co-founded another initiative, another website called StopVaxPassports.org. StopVaxPassports.org. And we've got a campaign on there to stop vaccine passports. Okay, I love that. Actually, Mr. Becker, if you could make a little, uh, for her, Chiron, make that uh, website, that'd be good to be sure our listeners see that. So, you know, it's a very interesting thing. I I'm, I'm love, love, and you were one of the first people in America, along with the Committee on Present Danger of China, trying to wake Americans up to realize that maybe the government is trying to sell you the idea of vaccine passports as a safety thing. You know, we got to know where you are and we're just trying to keep you safe and trying to keep people around you safe. And so people, I do think at, I, the vaccine passport effort, for example, in New York City was more successful than I thought it would be. I mean, I thought most people would just resist this idea that you have to have a passport to get to go out to dinner. But it seemed like there was a complacency in America about it in, in some quarters. Do, did you see that? Oh, yeah. And, and this, the complacency uh, comes from the fact that the truth about the vaccines and the truth about the vaccine passports are not coming through the mainstream media so that most people have bought the narrative that the vaccines are safe and effective, that you are doing this to help the community, to help grandma and the people who are refusing to be vaccinated are grandma killers um, and selfish. And therefore, they don't deserve to be able to go out to dinner or whatever else. Um, so they have been much more um, amenable to the, the vaccines themselves, the mask mandates, and also the vaccine passport. But I'm here to wake you up about the vaccine passport because it's not just an innocent little uh, app on your phone that says whether or not you're vaccinated. According to tech experts, it can incorporate the functionality of China's social credit system which is a tool of mass surveillance and totalitarian control. It sure is. And I do want you to talk about that. I, I have to say, I, I love what you do and I love that you're raising this issue. And I mentioned that complacency point first because I do, I, I feel like in my own life, uh, before I realized that you and uh, the Committee on Present Danger of China were really going to make a formal effort, I tried to say to people, why would you agree that your vaccine status should be recorded? And, and then on top of that, don't you see where this could lead? Because it's, they could say, well, this is just about COVID. It was such an emergency. COVID required this. But don't worry. Once COVID is over, people assume things will go back to normal. And, and you won't have, yeah, exactly. I'd love to have you talk about why should people, you know, why should people be concerned about this idea that the passport uh, is a bigger issue than just whether you happen to get the current vaccines for COVID? Oh, okay. So this What's happening right now is that there is a general easing up on the vaccine mandates. In other words, forcing people who don't, don't want to to get the vaccine. They're easing up on that and they're easing up on the mask mandate. And people have been so miserable for so long under these lockdowns that the general population is just breathing a sigh of relief and saying, oh, I'm so glad I, you know, we're done with these mandates. Um, it's spring, it's going to be summer, things are returning to normal. And what they don't realize is that we are being lulled into a, a state of complacency because behind the scenes, um, the, these vaccine passports are being rolled out state by state, including in red states. And they're not calling them vaccine passports generally. They will call them smart health passes or digital identification. It doesn't matter. 
if you have an app on your phone that is mandatory and that says whether or not you are vaccinated, uh, then that's that's what they need in order to install the, the the various functionalities of China's social credit system. And and I'm saying this because te- this is what tech experts have, have have told me. Now I'm not a tech expert, but Jay Valentine is a tech expert. He developed a fraud detection software for eBay. He developed the software behind the America's no-fly list. Now, both of these things, detecting fraud on eBay and detecting who should be on the no-fly list, they require a kind of um, profiling of a person that is similar to the vaccine passport. That's why he understands how this works, and that's why he can raise the alarm. And he wrote a a piece that's on our website. That's stopvaxpassports.org. And it's called something like Vaccine Passport and um, you know, the gateway to an American um, national enemies register. That's not the exact title, but, but his point is that the vaccine passports can be used to create a national enemies register. So I just wanna hold something up here, okay? This is a bulletin that came out on February 7th. I'm gonna read parts of it, so I'm gonna have to put my glasses on, but this is called Summary of the Terrorism threat to the United States, and it talks about domestic threat actors, in other words, domestic terrorists, and it defines um, as domestic threat actors, those who proliferate false or misleading narratives about unsubstantiated widespread election fraud. So if you think that there was a lot of election fraud, uh, then you could be a a domestic uh, threat actor or a domestic terrorist. And then also COVID-19. And it doesn't even define what you have to say about that to, to be called a domestic threat actor. But you know, I, I believe that it has to do with countering the narrative that the vaccines are safe and effective, um, that we need these mandates, that we need masks, et cetera. Whatever is the narrative that the government is promulgating, if you counter that, then you could be called a domestic threat actor. And how are they going to enforce this? What is the Department of Homeland Security doing? Well, I'll tell you what they say they're doing. They say that they are establishing a new dedicated terrorism branch to produce the sound, timely intelligence to counter related threats. And they're doing it by expanding their evaluation of online activity. So what does that mean? That means that if you or I post something saying, gosh, I think that there was fraud, you know, in, in the 2020 election, or uh, gosh, I disagree that we need to have these vaccine mandates or whatever it is. They're surveilling that, and that and that could that could end us get us into a national enemies register, according to Jay Valentine. So this is the thing: it's not just one thing that the, that is surveilled. Uh, do you mind if I just talk about the China social credit system and how that works? You know what? You, you, I have loved listening as you're just as you're talking. My very next question is: so people in America say, well, so what if they surveil? But tell us how the Chinese social credit score system ends up limiting the freedom of the citizens of China. Exactly my next question. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Debbie. So in China, all the things that they surveil, and by the way, we're surveilling them also. The difference between the U.S. and the and China is that China is feeding them into a centralized database, which is what the vaccine passport or the smart health pass would provide. So let me describe China. 
In China, they surveil your social media posts, your internet search history. So if you search for stuff they don't like, like Tiananmen Square or Free Tibet or Taiwan as a separate country or Uyghur genocide, that, that goes into your profile. So internet spending history, what you buy online, your internet um, activity, like you know, what kind of videos do you watch? What kind of games do you play? How much time do you play uh, spend playing them? Okay, your entire medical history, your uh, criminal history, your uh, religious activities. They don't like people who are overly religious, right? Because if you believe in God, then you believe in something that's higher than the Chinese Communist Party and you're not reliable, a reliable slave of the Chinese Communist Party. Um, and then they also attach these to facial recognition and real-time geolocation. In other words, they know what you look like and where you are and your entire network of relationships. And they also attach your credit card and your bank account. So if you never make any waves, if you agree with everything the Chinese Communist Party does, if you don't, if you're not a religious person, if you are just basically a doormat, then, then you would be considered to be a reliable Chinese communist person and you would have a high social credit score and you would you would live what looks like a, a normal life, but you would be a slave because you would know that as soon as you stepped out of that line, you, your score is going to go down. So what happens when your score goes down? Okay, the first level of punishment is you get shut off from travel. You can't even use public transportation. You get, you, you can lose your job. You won't be able to borrow money, so you won't be able to buy a house. Your kids might not be able to go to the, a, a good school. If you keep it up, you know, if you keep annoying them and keep up, up with those, you know, bad internet searches and post something that's critical about the government, then you can end up with your credit card and, and your bank account shut off. Now, this happened in Canada. Right, just, with the uh, truckers' uh, protest. At the, in connection with the truckers' progress, protest. This should terrify everyone. It's like you can't exercise your right to protest um, your free speech rights without risking getting cut off from your credit cards and your bank account. That, that, that will just destroy your life right there. If you have no access to your money, what, how can you even live? And then if you are a true dissident, then they can then because of the real the, the facial recognition and the real time geolocation they can disappear you they can find any dissident anywhere in china within a matter of minutes so this is a, is a system of complete totalitarian control mass surveillance and totalitarian control you know and i, I got to jump in and tell you Go something, ahead. Reggie. We had talked about this on the show before, and um, I read something since I wanted to ask you about, which was, I used to think, I was listening to these, what you're describing, and I've read a lot about it too. It just, it, it's the kind of thing that should keep everyone awake at night, even just out of concern for the people in China, let alone for any of that kind of thinking to come here. But I read something about China, that I because I was thinking if I live there, well, why don't I just leave my cell phone home? They can't track me then. You're not allowed to leave your house. I mean, that is another basis for punishment if you leave home without the tracking device that they use. Do you, do you know about that? Have you heard about that? Um, I have not heard that you have to take your cell phone with you everywhere, but I will tell you this. If you don't have your cell phone, you can't do anything. Okay? So you might be able to walk to the end of the block and back with no cell phone, but you're not going to last long 
because you're not going to be able to go to the store and buy anything. You're not going to be able to get into the building um, where you work. Uh, you're, you're not going to be able to, you know, go anywhere. So one of the ways that they punish people in China, so right before the Olympics, they wanted to paralyze the dissidents. So I was speaking to a dissident in the United States, and what she said is that they did it through the COVID health passes. Oh, Okay, so what a warning to us. Go ahead. Sorry. Okay, but this is what I'm trying to tell you. Okay, so in China, if you are uh, vaccinated and um, and not sick, you get a green pass, so, and and that means that you can, you know, buy things, uh, use public transportation, get into buildings, get into restaurants, whatever. If you are um, maybe vaccinated but sick, you have a yellow pass. And if you're not vaccinated, I mean, I can't imagine somebody in China not being vaccinated. But anyway, unless you're actively down with COVID, then you would have a red, a, a red health pass. So what they did with the dissidents that they wanted to paralyze in China is they just switched all their health passes from green to yellow, and they couldn't go anywhere. They had to stay home. You know, that can happen here. See, this is what I'm trying to say. If you have the wrong people in office who, who, who don't like people of faith, who don't like you know, people who, who are pro-life, who question whether there might have been a little bit of ballot stuffing or whatever in the 2020 election, um, who, who, who oppose mandating the vaccines. Now, I'm not talking about opposing the vaccines. That's, you know, I respect that position. Um, but, but in the Stop Vaccine Passports Task Force, we have people who oppose the vaccines, just oppose them completely. And we have others who have taken the vaccine and are grateful for whatever protection they think that they're getting from that, okay? But so they oppose mandates. But they oppose mandates, okay? Because there are people who have legitimate religious exemptions. There are people who have legitimate medical exemptions. And I defy anyone to try to convince me that children from ages five and up or even below five years old babies should have this vaccine, be forced to have this vaccine when we really don't know what the long-term effects of it are. I mean, I, you know, we, we had a webinar on our website called um, Vaccine Mandates for Children, Child Abuse, yeah. which is what we think it is. Uh, so we, we, we oppose the mandates. So, so just think um, of what would happen to a person who has one or more of those positions God forbid they buy, you know, ammunition or something online. Uh, they could very easily get on a national enemies re register or even be characterized as a, as a domestic terrorist um, by people who just want to shut down any op opposition to their narrative. Yeah, I love all this. I have to tell you, this this whole arena of thought, I. I love doing this show. I, I'm well aware that my audience is largely conservative and probably nearly all conservative, or at least on the right side of the aisle. But even for conservatives who are, you know, they're pretty alert to the idea of defending the right of free speech, defending their freedom, defending freedom of religion. Um, the notion that our government in the United States of America could become anything similar to the totalitarian government of China where their, their social credit score system you described, it pretty much runs your life. It determines what you can do, where you can go, where you can bus shop, where you can get in, on uh, mass transit, where your kids go to school, it determines everything. The idea that many Americans think is that 
Well, that couldn't happen here. They're communists, we're free. Which is why, Reggie, I'm so glad you raised this point about the content of that Department of Homeland Security bulletin, which was four or five weeks ago now, I think it was early February, where they, this bulletin okay. basically said, exactly as you said, you may be considered a domestic terrorist, basically if you speak in disagreement with the government's view about the November 2020 elections, you can't say that there was fraud, and you can't, I, I mean, you are a potential terrorist, and you can't challenge government's COVID policy. And you're so right about the way it was written. It didn't even say what you can't say about COVID. It just said, can't challenge the government's COVID policy. So how's the price? So I, I love you started this, the uh, stopvaxpassports.org. How's it going? How are you getting the word out there to people about the concern that they should have about the vaccine passports? Okay, so we have outstanding webinars. We've got half a dozen outstanding webinars with the some of the top experts in the world. And if you want to get a quick education uh, and, and an in-depth education, I would just commend going on to stopvaxpassports.org and delving into and listening to some of our, our, our webinars. So our first webinar was pass, Vaccine Passports Gateway to Mass Surveillance. And that outlines everything that I'm saying here. And Jay Valentine is actually on that. Um, he, he's a participant. He's a panelist on that web, webinar. Then there's the one I mentioned about um, uh, ch mandates for children as child abuse. And we have some of the top doctors on that one. We have two on military mandates. And this is very, very concerning about these vaccine mandates for the military because um, what, what it's doing, and General Jerry Boykin um, said this, yep. is that it's purging the military of conservatives. Exactly. I have to jump in, Reggie. For our radio listeners, we're going off to a very short break, three minutes. Come right back right after a three-minute break to America Can We Talk. We have much more good to come. Radio listeners, come back after three minutes. I'm sorry, Reggie, go ahead. <laughs> then we'll lose okay. those folks. Go ahead. Okay. So um, so, so General Boykin was saying that, that, it, that it's very concerning that they are seemingly purging the military of people of faith and of conservatives. And he said that Stalin did something uh, very similar when he took over. Um, and I will tell you something that General Boykin did not say, okay? I don't want to attribute this to him at all. I was speaking at a conference in Cleveland and somebody who is a former military came up to me and you know what he said? He said, he's worried that they are purging the military because they want a military that would be willing to turn against the American people. Oh, that is a chilling thought. It's okay. a chilling thought, and frankly, whoever said that to you is not the first one to say that, because you had, under the Obama era, the uh, determination by the Obama administration to remove from the higher ranks of America's military the more conservative, the more pro-America, the patriot types, pulling conservatives out of the higher ranks so that the higher ranks of our military, all three branches and throughout the federal government, we began to lose those people who are strong pro-America, pro-freedom, pro-constitution, and have more and more people who have the left wing, and truly the left wing ideology today, the very Marxist ideology that has captured the Democrat party, uh, is anti-American. It's anti-American Marxist that's already happening in the military. So the idea that this uh, vaccine mandate for a military would have the same effect, I, I just think it's almost a given. I, I don't think it's shocking at all that someone said that to you. Well, I, I I find it shocking. You know, I find it, it just did not, maybe because I was in something of a state of denial, I don't know, but I just, 
I'm, no, but the, the, this, the, the idea of our military turning against our own people, to me, is just utterly horrifying. I mean, it, it, oh, you know, yes, it is. I don't mean it, horribly horrifying. Yes, I agree. So, but but there's but we have other ones like um, cr vaccine um, mandates crushing the faithful because they're used to you know to to separate out people who have religious exemptions. All right. So, and there are legitimate reasons for having a religious exemption, such as the fact that these vaccines have been uh, tested or developed using aborted fetal cells. So there's a lot of pro-lifers who disagree with them and, and, and we're being separated out and being crushed. So I would commend uh, just getting the education that you will get by going onto our website and watching these webinars. But then the other thing is to take action. So we have a new campaign and it's on a new platform, a very powerful platform called Align Act. So that's A-L-I-G-N, Align Act. And what it does is it enables a person to, um, with you just input your name and your, uh, your, your phone number, your address. You have to have your address because that's required by Congress when you send emails to Congress, I understand. Anyway, once you put it in once and then you you press one button and you can um, you can uh, email like a personal email between you and all the members of Congress, all the governors. You know, it's it's, it's very very powerful. Um, so we have an Align Act campaign that um, right now about opposing the, the the secret encroachment, the secret rollout of these vaccine passports, while everybody is so joyful and relaxing. Um, and being lulled into state of complacency because the vaccine mandates have been lifted. Absolutely. That is such a great point and a point you made earlier. And I, I really want to reinforce that people feel, oh, things are getting better back to normal. Pretty soon the, the passports are going to end. Pretty soon the, ma the mandates will end, not realizing that the government has set up this program. And one of the points you made, I want to underscore earlier today or earlier in our conversation, you were saying, well, it's not just the term vaccine passport which has become alarming to some people, but they use a different kind of friendlier sounding term, smart health passes. And kind of in the ballpark of smart meters, but I won't go off on that, but smart health, health passes, the same concept. You think in order to uh, continue your normal active life, you wanna help out everybody else and, and get a little, um, I guess there's an app on your phone, but you wanna surrender to or submit to this uh, smart health passes with the notion you can keep all your freedom and the the uh, the uh, government is just kind of kind of taking care of you, kind of monitor us. Um, you know, Reggie, Little John, I'm so glad that you are doing this project. You are fighting against the vaccine passports. Your website again for our listeners: Stop Vax, which is V-A-X, StopVaxPassports.org. Uh, people can go on that website. I know you talk about the Align Act, but they can also go on your uh, Stop Vax Passports and sign a petition. Right? Isn't that part of what it is? Yes, there's also a petition there. So you can do the Align Act, you can sign the petition. Either way, we'd be very grateful. And we need to stand up for this because it's being rolled out now. And if we don't stand up now, it will be too late. It'll be too hard to fight it later. And the other thing people can do uh, that you are doing is to spread the word. I just feel like for many people, they just are not used to thinking, I have to worry about our government. They're thinking, oh, I'm glad I don't live in China. 
I'm not worried about our government, but we have to help them connect dots. So I love you mentioned the videos on your website people can watch. And so for if you want to talk to a friend about it or you're uncomfortable talking to your friend, send them a link to one of those videos and say, just watch this and, and, and ask yourself, why is this okay in America? So uh, Reggie Littlejohn, I want to thank you so much for taking time and joining me today in America Can We Talk? Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's always a great honor and pleasure to be here, Debbie. Great to see you, Reggie. Okay, my friends, that is one brave American. I mean, what she did with China brought her a lot of ridicule from people, uh, kind of, you know, stay out of, mind your own business, stay away from China, but she brought, uh, really shown the sunlight of truth on you know, China's policies about one-child policy and then gender side, the vast number of abortions occurring in China because people didn't want to uh, have a girl. They thought they needed a son in their families uh, and now rescuing older people who are being cast out of society. Uh, she's done enormous things. But this project she's on right now is one of those things I'm telling you, if vaccine passports or smart health passes become the norm in America, at some point, many people will wake up and say, shoot, now the government's collecting all this data about me. It's all centralized. They already know my bank information, my credit card information, my, where I live, what I do, all of this surveillance of you. And then it's a very tiny step for the government to take to say, well, now that we have this information, let's use it to keep everything. And they'd have some great explanation for why they have to use it and kind of tamp down on somebody who didn't do that, who stepped out of line a little bit. You know, you're not really, you didn't get the uh, vaccine booster that we said you should get. So you're going to have, you're kind of blocked from getting to your bank account. Just get out there and get that booster and you get to your bank account. These are no longer far-fetched concerns in America. I understand when the, and, and I want to remind you people, think about the idea when the uh, COVID first came along and right away, Anthony Fauci and his uh, team were talking about, we have to get vaccines. We got to get vac We're going to get rolling right away. And people, conservatives brought up early on during this uh, episode with COVID and the vaccines that, you know, we're we don't want to become like China. We don't want to have vaccine passports. And defenders of Fauci, defenders of the pharmaceutical company said, oh my gosh, he's crazy right-wing extremists. You silly people, they're worried about these things. You know, there's nothing to worry about. America's not going to do that. We're not China. We're better than that. It's really, really interesting to think how quickly the American conscience changed and how quickly the American, the messaging out of the federal government changed, changed from the idea that we're just trying to help you, we think vaccines can help, to where when people got concerned about vaccine passports, got concerned about mandated vaccines, many on the left, including all the punditry out there, left-wing media and left-wing journalists said, oh my gosh, it's crazy concerns we're never going to, that's not going to happen here. This is America. And here we are. We're only in March of 2022 and we are watching vaccine passports having made some headway. Now I know in New York city, they recently announced that they're going to drop the vaccine passport requirement for most public venues. So you can go to restaurants and theaters and I think museums, I mean, things like that, but they're going to keep it in place. The vaccine passports, if you want to go on the subway or public transportation, but the whole concept I'm getting at is we very quickly in America just went from mockery of the left, that's so absurd that would never happen, a mockery of, of conservatives by the left to exactly what the conservatives were worried about. 
were at vaccine passports. And then the gov government, the leftists, as they always do, try to control society. They say, well, let's not call them vaccine passports. People don't like that. We'll call them smart health passes. And your smart health pass score will ultimately, if the left is left alone, is not challenged, will become the thing, well, you know, it's not a vaccine passport, just my smart health pass. And, and it turns out I didn't get the right booster. I didn't get whatever their other thing I was supposed to do. I didn't get tested when they told me to get tested. So I'm, I'm kind of being pushed down. My score is a little lower. And then a little bit of consequence will flow from that. We are not far from that all in America, my friends. And I understand very much how even some people on the conservative side are still trying to say, are still trying to defend the government's conduct. People on the, on the right-hand side of the aisle, Republicans are trying to defend the idea of vaccine passports, or maybe, you know, just in big cities, it's a good idea. Maybe, you know, in public transport, it's okay. Or maybe the smart health pass, because it doesn't sound as bad. There are people who would say they are conservatives, they are constitution lovers, there are, there are Republicans who are okay with this. And I'm telling you, they are being duped. They're having the wool pulled over their eyes. They're being fooled. They're being lured into thinking Nothing bad will ever happen here. No one's really going to do anything like China's social credit score. This is America, after all. They do not see what's coming. And they do not see what's coming, in part because they have continued to refuse to look closely at the facts. They, it's easier to get swayed by the people who are uh, you know, mocking and ridiculing conservatives. And they, some of these people on the right, want to be in that, like the intelligent conservatives. Oh, we're not fooled by all this concern about you know, vaccine mandates leading to China's social credit score system. That's ridiculous. They want to be seen as the elite, the smart ones. And so they won't go along with it. But we are really very far down that path already in America. And one of the, way, one of the measures of how far we are down the path of getting towards something in America like the Chinese social credit score system, one measure is how many people on the conservative side are completely duped by it, who are falling for it, submitting to it, surrendering to it, joining the mockery crowd, making fun of people concerned about it. The whole concept in America that we'd have some system, anything akin to China, where your behavior whether it's on vaccines or the boosters or your behavior in any other aspects of life is monitored by the government, which of course we already have a lot of monitoring. I don't mean to sound Pollyanna, like we're starting from a blank slate and there's no monitoring right now. The government already gathers far too much information about every single American. It happens through the public schools, that information they gather from kids and parents. It happens from the healthcare industry information gathered. There's already a mountain of information on, in the government's data banks about every single American. I, I Please don't think I'm naive about that. I understand they already have the information. The question is number one, are people who love freedom in this country resisting and saying no and uh, you know, just raising the red flag of concern? We're not going to allow America to continue down the path and get us to very easily to a Chinese social credit score system, we'll have some nice name for it. The Americans, we love each other, want to take care of each other system. We, are, we, we already have enough data being collected by the government. There's a, a profound need for conservatives to be the ones now to stand up and say, no, we're not going to have the government assembling our data, keeping track of who had the correct vaccine, who got the right booster, and then have the government in some way weighing your freedom, which they are already doing in the vaccine passports. In all the cities that say you can't eat out in a restaurant, 
without a vaccine passport proving you've had it, those, those cities are already under the control of that cultural Marxism idea that the government has the right to control your life and your freedom based on what they think is best for you and regardless of what you want to do. These are very dangerous steps and we're just kind of wandering down this path, unfortunately, with too few people aware of it. This is why I love what Reggie Littlejohn is doing because she and the whole project to stop vaccine passports is, is a huge project, a huge effort to wake people up. So go to her website, grab those videos, get the URLs, send them on you know, to your 25 best friends. Just say, just watch this, just think about this. Is this okay with you? This is how you have, uh, you know, how you have kind of truth spread among the masses in America and, and help them in some way recognize the danger because they are subject every day to the massive effort of the media, left-wing media and the government to assure people it's no big deal. They're just here to help you. We're just trying to take care of you. Just trying to keep grandma safe. And pretty soon, if we succumb to all leftists pushing, we're not going to have any freedom left. Okay, that statement went longer than I meant, but I don't care because I love Reggie Littlejohn. I love her. She's, I, I happen to know her pretty well. Personally, she's a completely wonderful person. Okay, I have a little funny segment I'm going to do, and I don't normally, um, you know, I, I've had dear friends who love the show, and they, I, you know, speeches I've given, and people who know me pretty well who say, you should have humor in your show once in a while. And honestly, things are so serious in America that I have a hard time thinking of humorous things. I mean, I love to laugh. I love to have fun. But on this show, this brief hour I have every day to talk to you, it is, I, I mean, every 15 seconds is precious to me. Every little bit of time I have to talk with you, my listeners, is precious. But I do want a little bit of humor today. So Kamala Harris, who is not funny, but Vice President Harris, you know, she's had um, a lot of ridicule she's received uh, for the way she uh, laughs. And she laughs at the most bizarre, inappropriate bizarre times and I'm not going to play this one clip that I I did not send to Mr. Becker but she recently was over in Poland and receiving questions she's up on stage with the Polish thing is called prime minister there president whatever it is they're on stage reporters are asking questions and someone asked her a very very serious question about the refugees and you know she's clearly unprepared for the question can't figure out where to go makes a bunch of a name but and in respond all of this she does did that really really uh, it's like a confrontational laugh. It's not a normal, you know, from your belly, from your heart, you know, you're, you're amused by something. Her laugh is like, it's like an assault weapon. Her, her laugh is harsh and bitter. And so I'm not going to play that one, but there's another one back during the campaign when uh, Biden and Harris were running for the presidency. Uh, there was an interview given, um, interview of Kamala Harris. Um, people actually refer to it as her um, cackle, which is uh, sadly well-deserved. But there was an interview given in which she was essentially asked, Kamala Harris is asked by this reporter in a one-on-one -on -one interview, basically, you know, your ideas are pretty far radically left. You're pretty much a socialist, a progressive socialist. You know, how is this going to work with Biden, who's seen as, you know, a more moderate Democrat? Now, be very clear, my friends. We're going to have to do much more conversation about Biden, but not today. But Biden got into office. Biden became politically viable as a candidate for the United States Senate because he was approached by a communist-funded organization called Council for a Livable World. Council for a Livable World. The only reason Biden ever made it from a, a, a leap, I'm unaware of any other politician in America making this leap, from being a city councilman, a member of the city council in, in some town in Delaware, 
directly to one of the 100 people in the United States Senate. I mean, that is unheard of, unheard of. City councilman to United States senator. And he did that because of the funding, training, organization, pushing, uh, manipulation, just complete taking control of him by the Council for Livable World, a communist organization, Russian organization, which has continued to support him all these years. Joe Biden is no moderate. Now, I want to quickly ask Mr. Becker to first play the cackle of uh, Kamala Harris in this interview back when she was, they were still running for the presidency. What I will do, and I promise you this, and this is what Joe wants me to do, this was part of our deal. I will always share with him my lived experience as it relates to any issue that we confront. And I promised Joe that I will give him that perspective and always be honest with him. And is that a socialist or progressive perspective? No. <laughs> no, it is the perspective of, of a woman who grew okay, up. Let's cut a, her a, off. A, let's cut her off. We're going to run out of time. That laugh she does all the time. And I have watched her enough to tell you this two times that she does that, two occasions. One is when she's caught by a question and the answer is obvious. That she, and she doesn't want to say it. She doesn't want to say the truth. Of course she is a progressive socialist, but she's nervous. And so one reason she does that, that laugh, that cackle laugh, um, is because she's nervous and she's caught in some circumstance and she doesn't, with a question, and she doesn't want to say what the truth is and she's covering for the fact she doesn't want to say what the truth is because the fact is that's exactly who she is. But anyway, and the other occasion she does it is when she has no idea what she's talking about. This is what happened to her on the stage with the, uh, the uh, Prime Minister of Poland when she was asked a question. And she did this, and it is, it's like an assault weapon, harsh laugh. So a lot of people have been mocking her. So it's a young, uh, this young woman, I, I mean to tell you, this young woman has so captured the way Kamala Harris laughed. I want to play this video. It went viral on TikTok. Here's this woman, young woman, uh, doing the Kamala laugh. You want to know why I was late for work today? <laughs> okay, well, the reason why I was late for work today, okay, is because when I got in my car, okay, it wouldn't start. And if your car won't start, you can't drive your car, okay? <laughs> yeah, I would like to purchase this purchase that means to buy something when you purchase something you are buying it you want to know where i live <laughs> okay well i live in a country okay and inside that country is a state and inside that state is a town and inside that town is my house that is where i live okay <laughs> Okay, I love that. And I want to tell you something else about that. The reason she did that, you know, I live in a country and inside a country is a state and she's a town. She is imitating, I mean, really well, imitating Kamala Harris recently was asked about uh, on some interview, essentially, for our, our listeners who don't know anything about Russia and the Ukraine. You know, t tell us what's happening. Give us a basic description of what's happening. And I did not grab this clip to play for you, but Kamala Harris... She sounds like she was asked to explain it to kindergartners. I mean, she's on some national show, and the tone she took is exactly like that lady who was imitating Kamala Harris. I mean, she's like, well, Ukraine is a country. 
a country in Europe. And next to Ukraine is a bigger country named Russia. And she went on to describe, I mean, that's all she basically said is then Russia invaded Ukraine, uh, and that's not good. I mean, it's the most patronizing, obnoxious, cringeworthy level uh, depiction of uh, Ukraine and Russia. And this is what Kamala Harris resorted to. It's what she resorted to. Uh, and so this woman imitating her, I have to say, I really love that. I may play that more often. This, this gal, I think, has several other videos like that. And I, I you know, I honestly, I... Kamala Harris is not, to be really clear, she is not someone I object to because she has an obnoxious assault weapon sounding laugh. It's not why I don't like her. I think that she is uh, pretty much an empty suit. I think she is, uh, she got to the position of the vice presidency uh, and was chosen for that role because she checked two boxes in the minds of the endlessly racial, racially obsessed American left. The American left has to have black person, woman, oh, black woman, perfectly, check two big boxes. Uh, she was, um, you know, a, a vicious in the United States Senate in interviewing or interrogating um, the uh, people who've been nominated by, um, by, uh, by President Trump to be serving the Supreme Court. Uh, she, she's nasty, she has a nasty edge. And honestly, in her performance as vice president, she was first asked to be in charge of the southern border. I mean, can you do something about the completely open southern border? Leaving aside the fact that Democrats do not want to close off the southern border, they want the southern border to be open. So, see, he really didn't want her to do anything, even in her effort to pretend she wanted to do something about the border. It was cringe-worthy, cringe-level, do nothing. She did nothing about the border. They finally gave up on that notion. She, she actually went down the border and talked about the reason that all these people are coming from impoverished countries in Central and South America is because of climate change, which is just like the most absurd, you know, out of left field idiocy, but that's what she did. And so she's been, in every task she's been given, she just cringeworthy, embarrassing, often unclear what the question is, never answering the question well. And I know that many people, women, uh, especially leftist women, like people on The View, are really, really complaining that Kamala is not getting a fair shake in the media. And I, I watched a little bit of The View where they were talking about how you know, Kamala's laugh is being mocked and her performance is being criticized because she's a woman and on top of that, she's a black woman. And sorry, ladies, on The View and anywhere else, Kamala Harris is an embarrassment. She is the main argument why we should never try to impeach Biden because then she'd be present. She is an empty suit. She is a, a nasty, nasty woman, unable to take on any of the tasks that have been given to her by the president. And this, this uh, laughing thing is, it is, I understand it can sound mean and mocking her, but it is a tell. It is a tell. She does this when she's either cornered because someone figured out something true and she's being asked to answer and she doesn't want to do that. So she's cornered, doesn't want to tell the truth, or she has no idea what she's talking about. No idea what the question is, cannot fathom the question. These are the two reasons that Kamala Harris uh, does what she does. Okay, I had one more topic today, but I got to tell you, this is like the third day in a row this happened, but I'm not going to get to my last topic for today because it's actually such a huge story. And I want to talk with you about it on Monday. The, the huge story, I was going to talk about Biden and Obama, uh, meaning current President Biden and past President Obama, the two of them together, uh, actually need to have some political and legal liability for Russiagate. I'm going to plant that seed. 
I'll come back to the story on Monday because I don't want to ha- I don't want to rush through it. It's a huge story. It's a huge story for you to consider how in the world we have where we can where we are with the Ukraine and Russia and all that Biden and Obama did. And there is apparently never going to be consequence. And I want to run through how very, very much what Biden and Obama did uh, really set us up where we are today. But in these last few minutes on the show, I'm going to tell you several very exciting things. One is over the next three weeks, our Thursday shows, tomorrow's Thursday, our Thursday show is always special with one guest, long interview, very substantive interview. So tomorrow uh, we have a brilliant guy from the Texas Public Policy Foundation named Jason Isaac. And he is their energy I mean, it isn't his title. He's the energy guru. He understands energy policy. We're going to talk with him tomorrow about the idea of, you know, Russia uh, is not the reason our gas prices are high. Why are gas prices high? And, and, and a whole host of extremely important Green New Deal type issues. So he's tomorrow. Uh, the following week, we have Seth Keschel coming in studio. Seth Keschel is an election data expert. He's going to break down a lot of data. He's new data he's learned since a year ago or more. He was on this show um, including in Texas, the primaries in Texas. Uh, and we, then we have the following Thursday, we have Julie Kelly. She is the brilliant writer at American Greatness. And on American Greatness, she's going to cataloging all of what occurred on the January 6th and, and uh, I mean, every aspect of January 6th. For our radio listeners, you're about to zip off at the end of the show. So I want to tell you, radio listeners, you're listening to America Can We Talk? My name is Debbie Georgiatis. My website is americacanwetalk.org. I urge you to go to that at that website, sign up for the newsletter, become a member, but most importantly, please, uh, radio listeners, please come back every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk. I'll be here to talk to you. For everybody else we have, I close the show by telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you, leaving off the last one again, Mr. Becker, because we didn't get to it. But before we get to that, I want to tell you two quick things. So people ask me all the time, I mean, especially the more you realize how much work goes into preparing a show like this, how much reading I do and siphoning through and checking with experts, I this is a serious, substantive defense of America show defense of America's unique, extraordinary greatness. It takes time. It takes mountains of time. I am blessed that I have the time to do that, but I do need your support. Two ways you can support this show. One is just by going to our website and joining America Can We Talk. It's a $50 a year membership. You can pay by credit card, check, Venmo, americacanwetalk.org. Join for $50 a year. You get discounts on our upcoming conferences which I'll tell you about on Monday. We have some great stuff coming up. Um, And uh, you can also at the website get our weekly newsletter. You should do that. But the other way you can support this show, besides sharing this show and tell your 25 best friends to listen to it, send a link to it, tell them to listen. And wherever you're listening, I urge you to listen at our website, americacanwetalk.org. Best place to go to listen to the show and to be able to see our past interviews, blog posts, the why it matters, everything we've done is at our website, including you can watch the show live at our website. But the last thing is I want to tell you about how to support this show have to do if you'd like to buy things that you will like and I am benefited by it if you do. One is to go to MyPillow.com. At MyPillow.com, they have, I can guarantee you, because I personally tried them myself, very high quality, wonderful products, 
uh, and they are they are they are shipped right to your home. And if you go to mypillow.com, uh, you can get uh, slippers, which I wear every day while I'm preparing for this show. Uh, bathrobes, they have pajamas, they have bath towels, wonderful, actually bath towels that work well, big size, lovely colors, um, and bath robes, which we also have, my husband and I have and love. But it's a great place to go shopping, mypillow.com for yourself and others. And you get up to 66% off up to 66% off if you put in the promo code as you're checking out on the website, Debbie G, D-E-B-B-I-E-G. Go to Debbie, do that, mypillow.com, use the promo code Debbie G. Uh, you get a great prices on great products and pillows, the best thing of all, pillows, which our house is filled with MyPillow pillows. Uh, the other thing you can do is to consider purchasing a beverage I love. I drink one every morning. It's called Hydro Shot. There's a picture of it. For those, if you're listening and you can't see the picture, Hydro Shot is uh, to be purchased. You can purchase it at a website called H, the numeral two, Bev, B as in boy, E, V as in Victor, H2Bev.com. Again, at that website, purchase Hydro Shot. You use a promo code DebbieG. You get 10% off your order. And this Hydro Shot drink has infused hydrogen, a process nobody else has. No one else knows how to do it. You can only buy it online. You get a nitric oxide boost. It actually makes you feel more alert, more focused, gives you endurance. It is a great quality product. I urge you to buy it there at h2bev.com. Use the promo code DebbieG, D-E-B-B-I-E-G. Get yourself some Hydro Shot. Drink one every morning, which I do, and sometimes two if I'm dragging. I mean, it just kind of perks you up, uh, and it's a fabulous product. I'm, as I read more and more about it, I keep thinking I have to have a longer promo ready to explain more because I'm learning more about why it, it's so beneficial. It's a really wonderful drink, but I can't do that today because I'm way past out of time. So I'm going to tell you, at the, as I do every day at the end of the show, why the, sh the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start our show talking about the FBI raids, the Project Veritas reporter. Without Project Veritas journalism, Americans wouldn't know nearly as much about acorn fraud. Remember that one? Acorn fraud under Obama. Planned Parenthood trafficking in aborted baby parts. Pfizer vaccine dangers out of the mouth of Pfizer officials. FDA malfeasance and New York Times falsification of January 6th insurrection narrative out of the mouth of a Pulitzer Rise prize-winning New York Times reporter. We wouldn't know those things except for these reporters. Yet Biden's FBI is weaponized against Project Veritas doing dark of night, guns pointed raids of a Project Veritas reporter. America's First Amendment is in tatters under the radical leftist Biden regime. Americans must wake up and stand up and speak up to stop it. We the people have the power, but we have to exercise it. And on uh, Kamala cackle competition, um, I do mean it, her, her laugh, it's kind of similar to Hillary Clinton actually, just this, it is not genuine, it's not from the heart, it's not warm, it is like an attack, it's like an assault weapon. Anyway, Kamala's cackle, cackle competition. Uh, Kamala Harris's nervous cackle at horrendously inappropriate times is worrying. Excruciating to listen to and vice mockery. Some people think it's a nervous tick. I don't know. But anyway, it's a tool for buying time when she's caught off guard by a question and doesn't know the answer. Uh, and, or I said she's uh, caught off guard because someone's asked her something that she does not want to answer and doesn't want to acknowledge uh, is true. Whatever the reason for it, it doesn't inspire confidence in the vice president. Extremely disconcerting on world stages in a time of crisis. Harris dropped out of the Democrat presidential primaries before they started because she got no traction. Chosen as a VP almost entirely 
in my view, on the basis of checking off the gender and skin color cards uh, checkbox. Harris is Biden's best protection against impeachment. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in to America Can We Talk every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. America, can we talk truth about America?